You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. If followers of Jesus are only focused on private or personal individual sins, then the by neglect, the, the public social injustice that benefits the powerful, that goes unaddressed or untouched and, and unchanged. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 367. Our title this week is Social Repentance and Change. And this week's lectionary reading is, a, is another post-Easter appearance story. It's, it's one found from the Gospel of Luke. It's, it's Luke 24, 36 through 48, and I'll briefly read it. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So the Gospels post-resurrection appearance stories, they follow a a familiar pattern that that meets the expectations of the communities that each version is written for. Some of the Greeks' expectations appear in the works of Plato. This is uh, from uh, the works of Plato, the Apology of of Socrates, and a whole bunch of other dudes. It's it's, um, translated by George Burgess, and it's page 229. I'll give a reference to it in this week's e-site, but but this is from the works of Plato. So that anyone's body while living was large by nature or by food or both, his corpse when he is dead is also larger. And if corpulent, his corpse is corpulent when he is dead. And so with respect to other things, and and again, if he took pains to make his hair grow long, his corpse also has long hair. Again, if anyone has been well whipped and while living had scars in his body, the vestiges of blows, either from scourges or other wounds, his dead body is also seen to retain the same marks. And if the limbs of anyone were broken or distorted while he lived, the same defects are still distinct when he is dead. In a word, of whatever character anyone has made his body, body to be while living, such will it distinctly be entirely or for the most part for a certain time 
after he is dead. And Plato goes on to say that this permanence in life and after death, it also applies to, in Greek fashion, a person's soul. I don't think we can make any conclusions about post-mortem realities from the passage here in Luke. These stories were certainly written to meet the expectations of the communities that they were written for. They matched their expectations of what the bodies of any person who had uh, died or been killed uh, would have been like. The section of this week's passage that I think holds the most promise for our work today is the part that points to the resurrection of Jesus as offering repentance and forgiveness to the society in which Jesus was crucified. And to perceive what connects resurrection and repentance and forgiveness, we need to understand the social nature of forgiveness. For the Hebrew prophets, forgiveness wasn't merely for personal, private, or individual sins. It was also for the people's political or public social sins. And consider the social sins and the national nature of forgiveness in these passages from the Hebrew prophets. Isaiah 33, 24 says, the sins of those who dwell there will be forgiven. There's a, there's a, a social uh, nature to that. In Jeremiah 5.1, go up and down the streets of Jerusalem, look around and consider, search through her squares, talking about the town square. If you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. There again, that's forgiveness for an entire city. Jeremiah 31.34, no longer will they teach their neighbors or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Jeremiah 50 verse 20, In those days at that time, declares the Lord, search will be made for Israel's guilt, and there will be none for the sins of Judah, but none will be found, for I will forgive the remnant that I spare. At Daniel 9 19, Lord, listen, Lord, forgive, Lord, hear and act. For your name's sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. Hosea 14, 2, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Amos 7, verse 2, when they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? And lastly, Micah 7, 18, who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Again, the the forgiveness written of in each of these passages is a social forgiveness for the sins of, of systemic injustice and oppression of the vulnerable and marginalized within the writer's society. The kind of repentance that leads to that kind of forgiveness then is a a social repentance. It's a social rethinking uh, of current the current social course, uh, especially a a social course of injustice. And it implies that a society, not just a few individuals, but a society has chosen to embrace a, a different path that's filled with a a more just set of policies for the community, for the society, for the polity. In American Western 
Christianity, like American society overall, has a long history uh, of focusing on individuals' personal or private sins rather than the public, political, systemic sins of the larger society. If followers of Jesus are only focused on private or personal individual sins, then the by neglect the the public social injustice that benefits the powerful that goes unaddressed or untouched and and unchanged exchanging the the public for the personal or choosing to focus on the private instead of the political that has had a, a long history, especially among Christians, of, of being used by the powerful to protect their, their power, their privilege. So this, this past Easter, I read a powerful poem from a very talented poet, Caitlin Shetler. And the poem's title is just simply State. And the very first line reads, My sins did not nail him to the cross. That was the state. In the poem... Shetler goes on to contrast confusing the personal for the principalities and the personal with the state-sanctioned oppression. And I'm going to put a link to where her poem can be found in entirety on her um, her poetry's Facebook page. You can read the poem, the full poem there. I don't I, I don't have permission, and I wouldn't even presume to quote the whole thing here. I really want you to go to her page and read it there, and I recommend doing so. Um, uh, it's a it's a phenomenal poem called State. Um, and again, I'll put a link to it in this week's e-site. But now we can. Uh, start to put all the pieces of this week's passage together. Remember, the passage states, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day so that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Remember what we've been saying for the past few weeks. The cross interrupted Jesus's life-giving ministry and teaching, and it was intended to be permanent. It was meant to silence Jesus's calls for change, but the resurrection overturns it. The resurrection undoes and reverses everything that was accomplished by Jesus's death. It overturns the the state-sanctioned violence that 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 places divine solidarity on the side of the Roman state instead of the side of the kind of society that Jesus envisioned in his teachings. The resurrection causes the vision of that kind of society to be born anew and to live on in the lives of the Jesus followers where they thought that that vision had failed. The resurrection causes it to, to live on. The resurrection doesn't conquer death, remember, with more death, not even just one more death. The resurrection conquers death by resurrecting life. It answers death with death-reversing life. It answers death-dealing, uh, specifically death-dealing injustice with life-giving justice. And it, it places the God of the Jesus story squarely on the side of justice and in the midst of the crucified community, the marginalized, the excluded, and the vulnerable. And we're going to talk about this more next week. When we talk about, uh, uh, I think it's John chapter 10 is next week's reading, um, whether that's true or not, whether that's the reference or not, we're going to be talking about this aspect of the Jesus story more fully there. But the resurrection, it unequivocally proclaims the solidarity of the God of the Jesus story with the marginalized in any given society. And in this way, I believe that, that, 
that symbol of resurrection, of, of love conquering hate, of love overcoming death, and justice not being able to be held by an unjust tomb, that it has the potential to inspire a kind of, of social repentance, a rethinking of a society's current path. And, and the hope is that, that that rethinking will cause a different doing, uh, that we'll choose to shape society differently. And, and it's that different doing that within the justice tradition of the Hebrew prophets is envisioned as ultimately bringing social change or liberation or what they refer to as the forgiveness of, of social sins and, and uh, a different path uh, that's set for the future. This is a story, remember, it's meant to give us pause. It's a story that's meant to create in us a reassessment of the kind of society that we find ourselves surviving in. And it's a story that's intended to awaken in us the choice to, to shape a different kind of society, where those presently marginalized become centered, where surviving is replaced with thriving, and, and society, uh, a society that's safe, that's compassionate, and it's just becomes a, a home for everyone. And it may take some, a more political lens of interpreting the Jesus story for us to arrive at this conclusion and, 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 and for us to arrive at a different vision for our present society as, as well as our, our work toward that something better. But it's a choice that, that I believe in the end that it'll be worth it. Heart group application this week, we at Renewed Heart Ministries are continuing to ask all of our heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. Please stay virtually connected and continue uh, when you go out to keep a six-foot distance between you and others, wear a mask, continue washing your hands, stopping the spread of the virus. Uh, good news where we live here in West Virginia, our county is at about a 50% vaccination rate. Uh, my family and I, except for our youngest son, have all received our second uh, shot of the vaccination. So we're getting there. We're almost through the woods, but but until we get there, uh, keep doing what we know to do to stop the spread of the virus. Uh, practice the, as we've said so many times during this pandemic, practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid that's found in the Gospels and, and make sure that others in your heart group have what they need during this time. Number one this week, when you do meet together virtually, share something that's spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how does focusing through the lens of the Jesus story on public, political, or systemic sins of our larger society, rather than only our personal, private, individual sins, how does that impact your own Jesus following and your engagement with public social injustice? And discuss that with your group. And then number three, as always, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. 